Hi, you're listening to the sermon recording podcast of Awaken Church. Awaken is a church of missional communities whose vision is to see individuals experience healing through the gospel, be raised to their fullest potential among community, and sent out to live a life on mission. You can find out more online at awakenvb.com. And if you live in Hampton Roads, we invite you to check out our worship gathering in the Haygood area of Virginia Beach, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. All right, good conversation. All right, so listen, uh, so this is the part of the show, if you will, that we uh, have a quick conversation, if you will. It's really more of a monologue. Sorry, guys. I'm going to talk for about 10 minutes, and then you're going to talk at your tables for about 15, 20 minutes about the topic. And so if you were here last week for Easter, how many of you guys were here for Easter last week? All right, so a good portion, most everyone was. We kicked off a new series called King Jesus. And in that process, we talked about how we don't just want to do a, a one-off for this week, for this series rather. We want to actually uh, do a whole entire series focused around who is Jesus and King Jesus' role in our life and in our community. And so uh, if you were here last week, we talked about five core truths that are going to kind of guide the, the premise of this series. And so instead of introducing new content and trying to compete with kids and everything else that happens during a family gathering, I just felt like there was a lot of content last week that was discussed that would be good for us to kind of continue having the conversation, but on a more localized level at your tables, okay? So we talked about five core things. I'm just going to highlight these really quickly. If you don't take notes for it, it's okay if you don't remember all these. But if you were here last week, we talked about five core things. The first one is that Jesus is God. You guys remember that one? Jesus is God. We talked about how important it is that Jesus was fully God and fully man. This is critical to the Jesus account in the Gospels because if Jesus was only ever the divine, it would be very hard for you and I to ask people to imitate Jesus. Because in that way, we cannot ascribe to being a God as humanity. It's not possible. So it it puts this this, uh, division between us and the Jesus figure we read about in the Gospels if he's only the divine. And so it begins to make him unrealistic. And maybe many of you even feel that way already when you read Jesus' accounts in the Gospels. Like, it's unattainable anyway, so he's, he was God, so it's different. And so for those of you who feel that way when you read the Gospels, I want to encourage you to, to elevate the idea of God being fully man as well. God was fully God, Jesus was fully God and fully man. Those two statements create what we call, in theology world, we call that the God-man. He was fully God and fully man, those two, 100% both and. The reason why that's important, because that means that Jesus had emotional human feelings the same way that you and I do. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted. It means that Jesus felt, cried, laughed, went to the bathroom. Hey, all the kids in the room, Jesus farted probably. Like that was a real thing. That's a good laughter thing, right? All right, thanks, adults. Steve's over here laughing bigger than anybody else, so. Right, Jesus was a real guy, right? He had to shave. He had uh, friends. He had people that he did life with. He ate. He slept. Real guy, right? He wasn't above it all. Real guy. This is really important because a lot of times people, when they think about who is Jesus, they create this universe in where Jesus is unattainable, Okay, and maybe even many of you had that temptation, or maybe they even uh, 
degrade Jesus into saying, well, he was just a good person, right? Or it's a teacher. No, he was actually God as well, right? So both of those are very important. There's only a couple of times in the gospel where Jesus talks about the fact that he is the Messiah, right? And the woman in the well is one of those accounts where you can go back and read in John chapter four where that happens. The second one that we talked about, Jesus is perfect. That was a good like class. Good job, guys. All right, we'll, we'll get there eventually. There's three more answers for yes. Jesus is perfect. This is important because Jesus was without sin. Although he was tempted in every way, he never sinned. And Jesus even comes on the scene in Matthew, preaching the best sermon ever, right? The Sermon on the Mount. And he takes all the common sins that the religious leaders had set aside. And Jesus says, no, no, there's a new standard that we're going to live by if you want to call yourself a follower of the way. If you want to subscribe to Christianity and become part of the way of life that I'm creating here, it's no longer just okay to just not hate your brother. Or sorry, let me say that differently. It's, not, it's now, no longer not even okay to not even kill someone. Don't even hate someone, right? There's a standard that's been escalated in the process, a higher standard. Jesus says he doesn't come to abolish the law. He's come to fulfill the law in the process. He raises the standard of life for us. This is really important because when we, Jesus says, hey, follow me, he's asking us to imitate his way of life. And so as Christ followers, if you call yourself a Christian or a Christ follower in the room tonight, then that means that you have your life is set to the standard comparable to only him, right? This is super important. A lot of you guys need to hear this loud and clear. It's very easy in the world we live in today to excuse away our behavior, our feelings, our uh, decisions that we make, because we compare our life to someone else. We say, well, I don't do it as bad as they do it, or... I'm doing it at least remotely well. I mean, look at everyone else around me, right? I mean, I go to church sometimes. I give on occasion. I serve when I'm able to. I'm busy, but I go to MC, MC every now and then. You compare it to how the rest of the world, well, I'm doing it better than my neighbors. They don't even go to church, right, or whatever. You compare yourself to other things. And Jesus says, no, no, time out. If you're a follower of me, you hold your standard up against me. That's it. So Jesus says, follow me. And hold, this is the standard we hold to. Jesus is perfect, and that's important because we don't just want to upgrade our lives. Philip 2.0 in my case. There needs to be a transformation that occurs. And transformation happens not when we try and become better versions of ourselves, but when Jesus comes in and we become a new person in the process. Does that make sense? That's a huge part of why Jesus was perfect and why that's important to us. Number three, Jesus forgives us, right? Number three, this is really important. One thing I didn't say last week that I want to highlight really briefly here tonight in this process is that one of the most powerful things about forgiveness and the spiritual practice of forgiveness is not just the wiping away of sin in our life. Jesus doesn't come just to forgive us to remove something out of our life. What happens in the forgiveness process is that's not just simply about something being removed, it's a substitution of something else. So God takes away shame and guilt and then replaces it with freedom, with transformation. He creates a new identity within us when forgiveness happens. And then we are given the opportunity as his followers to then copy and paste that into people that we interact with. Because then we get a chance to give people a window into what real gospel forgiveness looks like. Because when we forgive other people and they don't deserve it, 
that's when God begins to do some amazing things in people's lives. You've all probably heard someone say, maybe even you've said, said to someone, like, I'm not sure I could actually ever forgive that person for what they did. I'm not sure that's forgivable. It's going to take me a while to get to be able to forgive that. Maybe even you've said that before. Thank goodness that Jesus forgives us because in that process, we unpack this powerful tool that as Christ followers, we're able to emulate into the world. And when the world begins to see forgiveness and grace offered, they see the real good news right up in their face. And that's when they meet Jesus, and that's part of who Jesus is about. Jesus is about transforming people's lives partially through the power of forgiveness is one of the most powerful weapons that he uses in the process. So Jesus is fully God, fully man. Jesus was perfect, and Jesus forgives. Number four, Jesus is the only way. Good job, guys. Jesus is the only way. This is one of the most controversial things we talked about, right? So for the last 2,000 years, Jesus has been the most talked about, argued about, questioned about, sung about, painted about, written about person on the planet. More things have been said, done, fought over, argued about, about Jesus than any other person to ever walk the planet. And in the world today, a lot of people want to coexist and want to say that all roads lead to the same place. And Jesus definitively in John 14, verse 6, says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. That no one can come to my Father except through me. And so this isn't one of those things that Jesus, right, smart guy, you know, fully God as well, he can kind of look into the future and know, hey, there's going to come a point in history where everyone, and this is not a new thing, right, it's not like 21st century, this has been around for a while, but people are going to argue about, well, is, is, is it all the same? Is Allah, is Buddha, is Krishna, is all these things, basically all the same roads that lead to the same place. And so Jesus articulates in one of the few places where it's very, very black and white. He says, I am the way, I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is exclusive. And that's so important that we understand that. And it's not meant to be a, dang it, why can't this thing be more like open-ended to help everyone figure out, right? And that's the beautiful thing about the good news and the gospel of Jesus is that as much as Jesus is exclusively the only way, his table is inclusive to everyone. And I said this last week, and I'll reiterate it loud and clear. This is the most powerful lesson that I wish the church, the capital C church in the world today, I wish we would figure this out. Because if we really truly believed that Jesus' table was available to anyone and everyone, the common person who does not follow Jesus would see Jesus very, very differently. But instead, we want people to subscribe to our morals, our way of life, our worldview, our behavioral beliefs. And then in that process, you can come to know my Jesus. But you have to clean up some stuff first. And Jesus says, hey, all are welcome at my table. Everyone's welcome here. I am the way, the truth, and the life, but all can follow me. And in the process of someone meeting and becoming a Christ follower, Jesus will get a hold of their life. Right? And if you doubt that, man, you don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not your job or the church's job to fix people. That's what the Holy Spirit is here to do. It's your job to show them Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and I will let my Holy Spirit fix people and clean up their lives. 
but they need to belong to something first. And that message is something that we get backwards every day within the church. And so my challenge to you, and one of the questions that we'll talk about at our tables is, man, how can we do a better job of being inclusive to everyone, regardless of their gender, race, age, regardless of their tribe, their tongue, wherever they come from, whatever walk of life, whatever you've done, Jesus says, I am open to you. And we sometimes forget that so quickly because we want people to look like us, believe like us, and act like us. And Jesus said the exact opposite in the Gospels. Number five, right? Jesus, let's recap, right? Jesus is God. Jesus is perfect. Jesus, forg- Jesus forgives. Jesus is the only way. And the last week we celebrated that Jesus is alive, right? And how awesome is that news that Jesus is alive? And guys, I love the Bible. It's the, one of the most powerful tools that we have. But Jesus doesn't come just to tell us to read the Bible. He comes to show up in everything that we do, which is why we have these pathways that we subscribe to as a part of our discipleship journey. Scripture is one of the 12, but you can meet Jesus in a variety of ways. And the world needs to meet Jesus not by reading the gospel account in John. They can walk outside and see a sunrise and see the same Jesus that you and I believe in. Jesus is everywhere because Jesus is alive. This isn't simply about believing in the resurrection and power of Jesus, although that's critical to the story. Right? There is no Christianity if Jesus does not rise on the third day. It's a huge part of this. But the story is not just simply celebrating the resurrection that happened 2,000 years ago. Jesus is alive today, now, and active in our community. And I love that as a missional church because it means for us that you and I don't have to go around and create something. You don't have to go create some new mission. Jesus is already alive and active. He's saying, hey, join me in what I'm already doing. Go out and figure out where I'm already at work and hop on board. So a quick recap here. We have those five truths that we're going to hold to. Up here on the screen in one second, you're going to see the questions. They're also on your table. We have three questions tonight that we're going to walk through as a community. They're available again on your table in the little tent cards. I want you guys to answer these questions. And I say this every single time. I'll reiterate it. For those of you in the room, listen, Claire, listen, listen uh, closely. For those of you in the room who are rule followers, the goal is to not go through all three questions. Now, if you, if you are uh, someone who is all over the place, the questions are there to help you stay on the course, right? So use them as a helpful tool. But the goal is to not get through all three of them. If your table only gets through its first two, or you want to do one and three, and then do two, I don't care. There's not a rule uh, to this game. The practice here is that you engage in the conversations through these questions. And in the process, you begin to start to think through parts of how we can incorporate King Jesus into our life. So I'm going to pray and then obviously incorporate people on your table in the conversation. And then we're going to have a quick panel for like an open Q&A afterwards as well. So let me pray for us. King Jesus, we do ask in this space that you would speak to us. God, so many of us have a strong intellectual understanding of the story of Jesus, but so many of us have become calloused to who you are in our life. And so God, I pray just through a quick conversation that we would have, that you would remove those calluses, cause us to be reminded of the story of who you are, the power of your spirit alive and active representing you on this planet today in and through the church. And God, I pray that you would allow us to be honest, be transparent, be authentic. 
and that we would also get excited, that we would feel encouraged, and that we would leave here tonight after having a conversation motivated to tell people about Jesus because it's a story worth telling, because our lives are not just better, they're transformed. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Open questions that you guys wanted to ask one of the three of us as co-leaders of the church, or that you just felt like was a question worth asking to the, to the room in general. Um, thoughts on King Jesus, this, uh, these three questions, or some of the things that were discussed at your table? Just raise your hand, and I have two really uh, great men here that will hobble over to you. One's old and one's injured. So. I was expecting an AIDS joke there somewhere. <clears throat> Uh, oh, there we go, rule followers. You're still in your discussion. Nice. Um, let me ask a question this way to the, to the room. Uh, I shared for me, and this has probably been my story, and I shared it with my table as well. Every church I've ever attended or worked at, the last question is very hard for people within the church to know what to do with. Uh, how do I handle the exclusive message of Jesus while learning how to be inclusive to everyone. So for me, I think that's one of the biggest things that church struggles with. What's at your table? Do you guys feel the same way? Is that something you feel like maybe there's a different way of, of understanding that question? Do you want to push back at all and say that maybe that Jesus isn't fully inclusive or not fully exclusive? Where do you guys wrestle with that process? Lisa, go ahead, Steve. Get the exercise in. Come on, let's go. There we go. I got, I got the short side of the room. I'm good there you go. <laughs> you played it smart. Well, we were talking about it here, and we were, it was, it, well, I have a problem because I'm saying that, well, this is the only way. Say you know somebody that's um, Jewish or Hindu or whatever. It's, it almost feels like you're being judgmental because you're saying, well, you're wrong. I mean, you don't say it that way, but basically, you're not going to go to heaven because you don't believe in Jesus and you haven't asked him to forgive you or to follow him, but he offers it to everyone. So if that person decided, okay, I don't want to follow or be Hindu anymore, I want to follow Jesus, he will definitely accept that person. But as me, as a person, trying to tell that to somebody... It's very difficult to, to do that because I don't want them to think that I'm judging them, which I'm not. But it's just that's my issue, not issue with it, but yeah. how, how difficult it is. Struggle. Thank you. Thank you. How many of you guys have ever seen that coexist bumper sticker on the Mecca cars? Right? Everyone's seen that, right? Like the idea of us coexisting is a biblical statement. We are called to coexist with everyone. The bumper sticker obviously is suggesting that all roads lead to the same place. So, but like the fundamental like truth that we are called to coexist is this idea that Jesus doesn't call us to like go live in our communes and like only learn how to live Jesus's way over here in our little protective bubbles, right? Jesus calls us to go and be in the world and learn how to coexist well and in the process of showing them love and the, and the real Jesus, Jesus does the job of of showing up in these relationships, right? There's a, there's a, a part of the, the Gospels where Jesus sends out the disciples in pairs, 
right? So I think it's in Luke chapter 10. And in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends them out in prayer. He says, go to homes, preach the gospel, preach the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out the demons, right? Pretty powerful things that he tells disciples to do. Go in prayer. So what he says is, knock on the doors of the home, and when you walk in, say, peace be on this home. And if they welcome you in, stay as long as you can. Eat, drink, be merry, be at peace with those people. Share the gospel, heal the sick, tell them the good news. But if they don't welcome you into their home, Jesus says, wipe the dust off your feet and keep going. And we don't know how to wipe the dust off our feet, and we also know how to stay in the homes that God's called us to. Wipe the dust off our feet means that sometimes there are people that are not people of peace, and so all you're doing is beat them over the head with something that they're not ready to hear yet. And so we have to learn how to walk away from that, even though we think that that's not always the right thing to do. And there are also times where God says, hey, I want you to go and be in that relationship for this season. But because it doesn't happen as fast as we want or the way in which we want, we leave early and we left a place of peace in the process. And so I love that example that Jesus gives us through the story of sending out the disciples and parents because that is so fundamental to this idea of learning how to share the good news in the gospel because we want to tell everyone, but so often we don't stop and figure out, is this a home of peace? Is this a relationship of peace? Or is this a home that maybe God's called me to move on from? That doesn't mean be like, deuces, see you later, never I'll talk to you again, right? It means, okay, let me move on. Let me find other people to spend my time with that are more open to hearing the gospel. And maybe it's not today, maybe it's not tomorrow, maybe it's not next month, maybe it's even next year. But by you being present and Jesus-like, they will begin to see the real Jesus. That's a person of peace. That's a family of peace. And you have these people in your MCs, in your social gatherings, in your neighborhoods all the time. And learning how to use the power of the Holy Spirit to discern those is a powerful tool that we all have to use. Any other comments around the exclusivity or Jesus being inclusive? I can never say the other side of it. Is it inclusivity? Is that the right word? Can someone help me out? I just kind of say it real fast, so I hope that it sounds okay. See, there's this lovely woman in the back. If you haven't met her, name's Lori. She would love to ask a question. Uh, I don't necessarily have a question. I just wanted to kind of add to that. I feel like um, coming from the old way, the old church, I mean, you know, I've been through the traditional, the do's and don'ts type, you know, um, being out knocking on doors and doors, handing out tracts, all that stuff, you know. I, I feel that um, now, nowadays I feel like uh, we need to think about uh, being the hands and feet of Jesus, um, witnessing to people, and if you have to, use words. I feel like our life should be an example of what it means to live for Christ, which is, I mean, you think about that, it's mind-boggling, because there's yeah. no way, you know, we can, we can live like that, but yet that's what God has called us to, yeah. and that's what he wants us to do, and I, I think that uh, we get too hung up on thinking that we have to talk to these people about Jesus, and God's, Jesus just went and he was with the people, you know, he spent time with the people, he was in their homes, he did whatever they were doing, you know, and, um, when necessary, he used words. Yeah. 
So that's just what I was thinking. That's good. One of the early church fathers, which Laurie may or may not be doing this on purpose, but his well-known quote, St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel often, but use words when necessary. This whole idea of your life should scream Jesus without you ever having to open open your mouth. And I think we want to, um, man, what's the right word? Uh, we want to, the, the message of Jesus is explicit in many ways, and we want to make it G-rated. We want, like, we want to like make it watered down at first. And then maybe if you can like the watered down version, then I'll like tell you a little bit more, a little bit more. And this is why people feel like they're getting tricked into Christianity is because we don't come out and just tell them the truth and let Jesus transform their life. We oftentimes want to like, sorry, but this is kind of a truth. Are you still here? Okay, what, what about this a little bit more? Like we want to like spoon feed them in the process and different than like holding their hand and walking them through it. We want to like apologize for it. And Jesus is, is going to be controversial but there's a, there's a transformation that happens that you have to allow Jesus to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. If not, they end up subscribing to a gospel that's not really Jesus-centered at all, and their faith is not genuine. And that's a very dangerous thing, and a lot of churches, unfortunately, do that every day. And it's a scary thing that happens in our world today, especially within Christianity. Any other questions, comments, or thoughts? What I want to add to that last thought as well is that when you view Jesus' ministry along, along this whole spectrum, you see Jesus engaging, engaging with His community around Him, uh, preaching sermons to massive people, eating dinner with, with the least of His community, and and caring for those while still speaking truth because it, it comes in a couple capacities. The, the truth He was speaking with those people was a truth of care and love and bringing them alongside, but you also take the, the truth of the story of the rich young ruler when he asks what he has to do to get into heaven, and Jesus talks about getting rid of all of your things and coming to follow Me. Jesus drew a hard line for a person who was asking what needed to be done. And so that's one of those things, living, living among people and caring for people uh, is, is not the absence of the truth of the gospel. It is reaching in to the gospel and, and, and pushing that out to people who need to hear that part of it. At the same time, when those conversations occur, when those, when those people are ready to ask the hard question, you need to be ready and willing to provide the hard answer. That's good. All right, well, let's pray, and uh, we'll close out this part of our conversation. We're going to end with some worship tonight. Uh, so, uh, kids, actually, I'd ask that maybe you guys go sit with, with people that you're here with, and we're going to worship together as a community. Uh, it's a powerful thing when we involve even the kids in this practice here. Uh, if you've never uh, been at Awaken, or maybe you uh, don't always interact with these, I also want to introduce the stations to you. But I just want to pray over this space and our conversation tonight first, and then let's go ahead and begin to worship. So, King Jesus, we do uh, dedicate, again, our time, our energy, our lives over to you. You're worth living for. And Jesus, as a reminder tonight, as we have conversations, as we 
engage in dialogues around tables. God, I just pray that you would continue to show up. I pray that you would continue, God, just to cause us to live amongst people, find those people of peace that we talked about, and that you would cause us to learn how to forgive people well, emulating you as fully God and fully man to the best of our ability as your followers. Jesus, ultimately, we just ask for your grace, but also the conviction, the challenge to keep taking one step forward each day so that the world would see a church on mission to share the good news, to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth through what we say and what we do. In Jesus' name, amen.